0: Praise the Lord. I'm Tom Shanklin, and we're here with our good friend, Pastor Kelton Black, from Highbridge, Somerset, England. That's right. We Hello with, there. We were with him um, in February. That's right. Earlier this year. And what a great host he was, uh, showing us around, showing us the sights, showing us where, uh, what was it, where the hymn, the hymn writer... The Rock
1: of Ages was uh, inspired.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and then we, were, we were in the place where the Rock of Ages was inspired, and it was uh, it was a stormy yeah. day. <laughs> Every top
1: lady, it was yeah, We had a stormy day as well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we were hiding out in the <laughs> cleft of the rock. So, uh, Pastor Kelton is uh, the pastor of Gospel Tabernacle Evangelical Church in Highbridge, yeah. and also chairman of the UK for the Eastern European Outreach, uh-huh. and he is a local church pastor, but has a big heart for missions. Uh, his church is, the, their motto is local a local church with a worldwide vision. Amen. And so we're here today to talk about the local church and world missions. Because, you know, Pastor, I, I, I know that mm-hmm. God really has uh, a big heart for missions because he's a missionary God. Amen, that's right. And he sent his son to be the first missionary. Mm-hmm. And uh, God wants to use our local churches in a huge way to sure. to reach the world for Jesus Christ. And so we're just going to take a few minutes and, and talk with uh, our brother here about his experience and what God mm-hmm. has done in his life and in his church. And, you know, it's it's a progressive work in all of us. Amen. God That's puts right. something in, his, in our hearts and then develops it step by step. So, uh, Pastor, you're... Um, 60 years old? 60 years old this year, yes. Just a young guy. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, But the Lord has been working progressively all throughout his life. Um, could you just share with us just kind of the beginning stages? Because I know mm-hmm. uh, you were a um, MK, missionary kid, right. and also a PK, pastor's yeah, kid. Because that's right. Your, uh, your father was a missionary pastor. So can that's you just kind of give yeah. us a short background of your history and that and, and with the Lord?
1: Yeah, my introduction to missionary uh, was actually started when I was nine years old, when my parents felt the call of God to leave Wisconsin, USA, to travel to the UK as a missionary. And at that time, many people didn't think or expect or be able to express that UK, United Kingdom, was actually a mission field. But I think we've uh, learned over the years that every place, USA is a mission field and needs missionaries to come into the, the harvest to, to work on that. So I was nine years old when we uh, left Wisconsin, landed in England. It was an exciting journey for me as a young man uh, just to have that change of life. Mum and Daddy prepped it in a way that I was excited for all the new adventure we were going to have. I had to leave some of my friends, but uh, I really settled in very quickly. And so we settled in, God led every step. It's an amazing story, I can't go into all the details of every faith step that took place, but to say that God led them step by step, Mm -hmm. and they were obedient to the call, and they ended up finally, uh, after a few months, being in the UK, uh, in Somerset, and uh, so that's where we we landed, and straight away my mum and dad had the heart to look to God, what did God want from them to do in that area.
0: You know, you were sharing last night about about your parents and and your father, the, what God had put upon his heart, mm-hmm. and and you know, God didn't call him to many nations, but he called him to one particular nation, sure. and that is England, and and uh, but he had a big heart. He did. It, it wasn't really yeah. just about his the local church that he yeah. pastored. He yeah. was always uh, working with other ministries and other churches. Yeah.
1: It, God placed in my dad's heart the ability to work right across the different uh, denominations. Uh, he very much was kingdom-minded. Uh, anywhere he went, he wanted to live the name of Jesus. And if you could see a way of helping others to do that, he would do that as well. As much as he had his own vision for the church at Highbridge, uh, he planned it so he could always be available to help other ministries and other churches. And they did that over the years. And I learned and grew in that environment of... Constant uh, faith, but also constant outgoing, reaching out to others and seeing God do amazing things through uh, the ministries that we shared with. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, well, that I'm sure laid a tremendous groundwork in your heart for, for the work of the Lord, and just, just being raised by godly parents like that must have mm-hmm. been a tremendous experience. But um, like many people, you went through a time when you, you know, drew back from the Lord. That's right.
1: I think, uh, I know I gave my heart to the Lord as a child, and I was on my mother's knee, and so I grew up, in a sense, always having an awareness that God was there, I was taught the Bible, I learned the Bible very well, my mum was very much into memory verses, so we were taught, and uh, and the house was a godly home, and so I was brought up with these things, so I wasn't familiar with anything other than a Christian environment. Well, at the age of 13, I had the opportunity of going away from home to school, uh, boarding school, was going to learn agriculture, and so I, I chose to do that. I wanted to have that. Parents supported me in that, and uh, I passed the exams to get into the school, and uh, so I went to school. Mum prepped me and prepared me for all the things I needed to do, but I found myself very much in an environment where I noticed I was different, mm-hmm. and all the other boys were different. So I held back on you know, yeah. sharing my faith, reading the Bible. I put all that to one side to be in with the lads, it was, and I did whatever I needed to do to be in with the lads, yeah. which is a dangerous place to be because yeah. I found myself soon slipping into all their ways. But what was amazing is I used to go home on the Sundays and I could behave like the perfect pastor kid on Sunday and then I'd live uh, the rest of the week to my own devices for my own self.
0: Yeah. But it was just just hard for you to, you had your Bible packed away in your yep. suitcase, but it was hard to get it That's out right. and, and read it yeah. and, and, and let people know, hey, I'm a, I'm a child of God, I'm yeah. a Christian. So, but there was a time later uh, that you made a decision Mm -hmm. for the Lord?
1: Yeah, I I grew up with this two-sided for about four years, from 13 to 17. I got pretty good at it. I could, you know, behave at home like the the perfect pastor's kid. But I found myself um, obviously being very most miserable. In fact, of all the people, I probably was the most miserable. Because I was never really happy in church, because I was always just doing this, what I saw as pretending and then, when I was in, I helped with, well, with the boys. I knew if mum came around the corner, she'd be ashamed. And so I was always in this predicament of never being happy in those two worlds. Yeah. And I'm grateful that God still has a hand upon me. I know my mum prayed for me. And at the age of 17, God stepped in and used the situation about baptism to challenge me and to bring me back to my senses. And I'm glad after that, a whole week of wrestling with God, I came down and said, Lord, I will follow after you. Mm-hmm. And I surrendered my life in that small common room in that school. And I'm so grateful on that Saturday night that God came and met me and restored me again yeah. back in the family. On the Sunday, I was baptized, testified that I'd given my heart to Christ, and I was going to follow him.
0: I love the story about how when you went back to the boarding school yeah. and uh, got your Bible out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the next yeah. thing you know, two other uh, yeah. To other, the students. So often They're we powerful.
1: think, so often we think we're the only ones. That's the right. reason why we shy away from doing things. Yeah. And I was one of those that wouldn't get my Bible out. I had it there in my bag. Mama made sure I had it, but I never read it. But when I gave my heart to the Lord on that Saturday, I came back the next day, coming back into church, uh, I turned back into school, and the first thing I did was got the Bible out to read it at the end of the day, just have a little time before God before I went to bed. And I noticed in the same dormitory. We were was a dorm about eight, eight of us lads. Two others that had never done it before reached in their bag and brought out a Bible too. Praise and God. I found that there was two in my dorm who also were Christians. Yeah. And they had been journeying along the way, shy and, uh, well, in a way, ashamed to get our Bibles out. Mm. Yeah. But I praise God. God uses that as a way. It's uh, exciting. When you think you're the only one, you realize actually God says, hey, I've got others here as well. If we just yeah. be bold enough And we're able to support each other, encourage each other in our faith.
0: By the way, we have my wife Susan here. She might just chime in a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) uh, From time to time. I want to say amen. 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 Say amen. You can be the amen corner here. Yeah. So you were telling me about uh, the time that... you began to seek God about the calling on your life. Yeah, you re- you recognized the call on your life. You you weren't sure you really wanted to be a pastor. Uh, no, in fact, I
1: fact, I was quite certain I didn't want to be a pastor. That's <laughs> probably prayer. what that's probably what I was actually saying. Yeah, you know, you would come to God and say, "God, I'll do anything but, <laughs> anything
0: but being be careful.
1: A be careful on that because uh, <laughs> I mean, I lived in a pastor's home and I, I saw the life of it, and I saw the blessings of God. I saw the the faith. I saw the the life of it, but I also saw some of the issues that my dad had to handle. Uh, some of it was, you know, straightforward and my dad was very good, had wisdom. But I also saw some of the things that I felt was very unfair on pastors and probably I got an insight. So I said to myself, oh, I don't really know if I want to put myself through that type of thing. I had this idea that an evangelist looked a great job Hell it was out of all the ministries around you could travel, you get all the excitement Yes, it, it has all the sort of growth and it really ever gets praised about the fact we have new souls coming yeah. around so I had this idea that evangelist would be a great role um, but I also learned my dad taught me and I believe the Holy Spirit taught me that we just got involved in ministry so it wasn't after a particular job so I got myself wherever I was I would respond I would look to help and I became youth pastor Uh, looking after the teenagers in our group I did children's work I then was involved my parents were very good at pushing me out as it were to exercise my gifts so in our own services they got me to lead the services they got me I really did everything from cleaning up afterwards driving the bus whatever was needed we got involved that was the attitude my mum and dad had towards ministry it wasn't looking for a status or a role but we served whichever way we could I did that over the years,
0: well, the key is to to surrender to the Lord's yeah, will. And, that's correct, and to serve.
1: Yeah,
0: and that's really what ministry is. I mean, yeah. it, it actually, the ministry means serving. So. Yeah, uh, but I know you began to seek the Lord, and you were you were sharing how the Lord gave you some, yeah. some thoughts and some scriptures. <laughs> <like that.
1: laughs> right after, after I became the Lord, I was baptized the next day, yep. which was exciting. Yep. And then a year later, when I was just just turning eighteen, uh, the Lord filled with the Holy Spirit. And I remember that tremendous time of really asking God, and at that time I said, "Lord, I'm in Your hands here. you, are. you use me." And I'd seen how Mum and Dad were used, and I recognized there was a call in everyone's life to serve God, and God had a plan for them. My Dad had a favorite f- phrase that said, "In the plan," he really believed that God had a plan for each of our lives, and Mum and Dad taught all of us children that we were, you know, had a plan, and so I started seeking God about that. So, Lord, you know, show me what is it You want, and. He didn't show me, you're going to be a pastor. He didn't show you, are going to be a prophet or a teacher. He didn't show me any of those ideas. He took me to scriptures and two verses, God, I believe, planted in my heart that just made me say, this is what my life consists of. This was my destiny. And the first verse was found in Acts chapter 1. And verse 8, perhaps you could read that, and that's sure. good just for the folk to, I could recite it, but it's in my memory, and I, I know it, I live it. It's
0: good to just look in the book and see what it says. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth.
1: And that's really set my pace. One, I wanted the Holy Spirit. I wanted God in my life. I wanted to be a witness. Now, that verse I often hear preach, uh, they use the emphasis on that you tell, what a witness tells what he sees. But actually, the first step of a witness is to see something. We can witness things without having to say anything about them. Although we know the plan of God is for us to speak about it, but actually the first step, and it struck me in that verse the God was calling me after the Holy Spirit comes, you will see things. See things. You'll experience God. You'll experience God <clears throat> working in your life. And that's what really yeah. set that verse into my heart. I started having the Holy Spirit who would show me things and I would be able to yeah. have opportunities and I'd serve God. So yeah. that was the first element that verse helped me with.
0: You know, that just, it just makes me think about how ministry is not um, an occupation or a no. job or a profession. No. Yes. It starts
1: first with an experience with God.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah and Disciples did. Even that, that chapter of Acts 1, it starts right. in verse, verse 2 or 3. It says there, he walked with his disciples and gave them infallible proofs right. that he was alive, yeah. and he spoke of the kingdom. They experienced it. Yes. So they saw him, and, yeah. and he was seen by 500 people at one time, or whatever it was that mm-hmm. Scripture. So he, the purpose of Jesus, would walk with them, was to reveal that he was alive. And that's what he was doing in my life. He still does? I that. started seeing him. That. Yes. I went through several questions, I thought, if I'm gonna defend this gospel, I need to defend, why do I believe in God? Is there a God? Why do I believe there's a God? And so one of the first tasks I did as a young person asked the question, God, you exist. How can I be confident you exist? Mm -hmm. And so I examined all the things I'd seen, heard, read about, and I thought, right, there is a God, all right? Mm -hmm. But then I said, what about the Bible? There's many people talk about God, Mm -hmm. and you know this question, but I believe in the God of the Bible that's described in the, in, the, in the Old Testament and New Testament. And so I was aware of that. So I thought, how trustworthy is this book? So as an 18 year old. I said about, back in those days we didn't have internet. So I said about, how could I know that this book is trustworthy? I thought those are the two things I need to have under my belt if I'm going to confidently share or witness that. So I went to the library, which is a great reference like of books. And I started to look at how did we get our Bible? How was it written? Back in the 1600s, I saw how the guys got all the documents that we kept down through the years, gathered them together, and then they used those documents with a criteria they used for historical matter. Mm -hmm. And I watched how they selected only the documents that met those criteria that were going to be included in the canon of Scripture. Mm -hmm. In fact, I was amazed to find out the evidence that supported the historical value and worth of the Scriptures was more than was worth for... um, Julius Caesar. In fact, the documents that talk about Julius Caesar and we accept as history were very, very few compared to the repeated and accurate copies of the the written down uh, text that we now have as the Bible. So I was soon convinced that the Bible was reliable, the people who put it together uh, put it together with the right criteria. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a religious uh, project, it was a, a project trying to capture, making sure that the documents that were there were worthy to be there Mm -hmm. and they excluded some documents that were probably genuine documents Mm -hmm. but they weren't included in the canon scripture because they didn't meet the historical Mm -hmm. uh criteria to make it a historical trustworthy document Mm -hmm. and so i found that very assuring so i set off in my mission and god gave me that verse that i was not only going to be a witness to those things but i would then go on to be a witness both in my jerusalem which i quickly saw that as my own environment my hometown wherever i was whether I was at work or whether I was at school, that was my Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And so I took that on board. I said, Lord, I'm going to be a witness in Jerusalem. But I also looked, it said, to be witnesses in Samaria and Judea. I looked at that phrase. I thought, why do you think he chose those two places? Well, in their uh, environment, those were two areas that were troubled areas. Judea was always the Roman-occupied part, and Samaria was the sort of enemy and right. distant cousins and relatives, cousins. Of them, and they, they didn't the get outcasts. on very much. So, so they were they yes. were difficult areas, and I right. they applied that simplistically, very simplistically, <laughs> just of say, Lord, those areas are the ones that I have to make deliberate effort. So when I'm uncomfortable with something, they're my Judea's, they're my Samaria's. Hmm. So if I have to say, Lord, help me in this situation, that is those um, things that I'm going to, to do. So they're my Judah, Judea, and Samaria. And then, of course, the ends of the earth itself is kind of true. Yeah. If and you're, so
0: you're going to the ends of God is, the earth now, and you're us the is, privilege to do that. Yes. Your church is involved in, in uh, missions in a large yeah. way. You have a, a Christian school and a Bible school yeah. in, in India. Yeah. Maybe you can just share a little bit yeah. about that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just wanted to share our mission experience was never on our agenda that we have to have a mission experience. Yeah. It never came that way. We had a heart for it because I was believing that God would open up the door to whoever we could meet. And so when we started meeting folk, I had a phone call uh, asking me, it was a message left on my phone, from someone who was in England, from uh, India, and was looking just to connect with people that were on the network that I was in. And God just prompted to invite that person down. So we got to know them, they met our church, and he shared about his vision, shared about his work in India. And I was so grateful that God did that. And while we were there... The way God works is he opens a wider store than we, we planned. And another church got involved. So two of us met this person, and through the circumstances that happened, a team went out to India to visit. I was invited, but I didn't feel it was the right timing for me. So this other team from another church went. They came back with a good report. It was almost like the Promised Land report. Yeah. They said, is this good? He's got a good vision. He's got a good base to work from. And so we, together with that team, and our team, a guy took on his heart to sell up his properties to be able to buy and, and purchase the school and to build the school. And so that's what we did. So the next two years, the school was built, and I finally went out to open the school on behalf of our church. Praise the Lord. And so God just opened that connection. And then that was in 2000, 2001, 2002, and we have been supporting that school ever since. started with 36 children the first year, and they added year after year, until we peaked at 430 children in the school in Rajamundari in India with Pastor Samuel Mm Jacobar and his wife Sheila and their son and uh, family, uh, Anurad. So we've been blessed. And it's just been a growing relationship. All of our missions experiences are relationships with those people who are working and serving in other places. Mm -hmm. They bless us because we hear what God is doing there, but also we help them. Mm -hmm. And in the case of India, we've been able to finance and help the school financially. Mm -hmm. And I've been amazed how God has opened the door to raise funds sufficient to run that school. And so we're so grateful. Each year we try to go out, you know, so to get a good report on school, update, let them know we're still interested, and share some of the things and bring back the information for our sponsors and those that help with the work. So that's the that's same pattern that we did in Uganda. We met the persons out of a, what sometimes seems like an accident, uh, but yet there are no accidents. But we develop relationships. We've had many people that we've connected with that relationship didn't form. So they didn't become a missions part of our life. But uh, we often would invite missionary after missionary to come and visit. And God seems select those that connected with us and our people selected and started giving. They first started with praying. Mm -hmm. Once you start praying for somewhere, you get involved. And then after praying comes then the the purse.
0: Uh,
1: Once you start loving something, have a passion for something... And that's what I do. I mean, our church members, I encourage them that they look and see what God is saying. And so I try to get them inspired about a mission field. Some are very inspired about India. Uh, some are inspired about Uganda. So I visit Uganda. Then the, the latest field that we have is Eastern Europe. And I've got those that are willing and wanting to go from our church and ministry to, in, uh, to Eastern Europe. Uh, we run children's missions. We run senior citizen ministries. We support churches. I go alongside pastors and try to encourage them in their ministry of yeah. work. Well,
0: I know you've been <coughs> expanding mm-hmm. the work into Eastern Europe with yeah. the Eastern European Outreach. That's and, right. Yeah. Can you share just
1: a little bit yeah. about that too? I was invited several years uh, to join Eastern European Outreach, but as I was, I was a very busy uh, pastor. So my first couple of years of asking, I said, no, I don't, think, I don't think I'm too busy. But things developed, and I started hearing more about what was happening, what Eastern European Outreach was doing, it's a, a charity that's based in the UK, but it's associated with uh, several different uh, mission organizations that are based in Holland, Germany, uh, other parts of Europe as well. And so it's like a team of several charities in different nations mm-hmm. joining together with a purpose uh, with hearts and hands, is their, their thought. Our heart loving these, uh, the needy folk, and then our hands helping them with practical needs for either sending out aid, humanitarian aid, but also sending out money and sponsoring children and so it's a big child sponsorship uh, program we have there and so that's Eastern European Outreach and I eventually said yes, (coughs) came on board, got helping, the the board is a little bit older members at this moment so I was asked several years ago would I step up and be the chair of the governors, uh, chair of the the, the trustees Mm -hmm. and so that's what I've done so for the last uh, three years now I've been chairman of Eastern European Outreach and my vision has been to continue what we're doing but also to take mission teams there so I want to visit the the areas that we're working with Eastern European Outreach and bring teams there to help practically and spiritually with the work that's there
0: well like Susan had shared she sees she sees you as as a facilitator you bring Mm. people together you help open doors for other ministries and and you're all about the kingdom of God. And Amen. that's the way that's the way we should be. That should yeah. be our heart and you know.
1: I'm blessed with a church that understands that. Right. Uh, I know, you know, I have had the privilege of being able to in church now for twenty-five years, my wife and myself. So we've been able to shape it probably with the vision that God's given us mm-hmm. uh, to be wider than just a local activity of the church. Mm-hmm. And our church understand it and they get involved with worldwide missions and that's part of their, their call. God gave me, a, to confirm that, God gave me a prophecy about six years ago. I was in a meeting here in the USA and they prayed over me and they gave me this word that said God was saying he was giving me keys to open doors. And I was excited about that because that's a wonderful promise of God that we can have the opportunity yeah. of opening doors. Because there are many closed doors in this world and when you seek God for the wisdom and direction and the, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, how to open doors. But the Lord said to me right along with that prophecy, listen, some of those keys are for you to open doors and go through yourself, but most of those keys are for you to open doors for others to go through. Mm-hmm. Now, whether it's because I was 55 or 54 at the time, and you cross over that wonderful 50 years, you start to look, examine life differently. I recognize I'm a father figure now in the ministry. And so I started taking responsibility mm-hmm. to help others and raise up a, a succession to us yeah. of younger people that will serve God. And so that's been my task, especially after three years ago, uh, recovering from cancer, God affirmed that call of my life. And so that's what I'm doing. Yeah. In fact, most, a lot of the missions I'm doing now, I'm maybe go make the contact, but then I, I open the door to send to others. Connect and minutes. others are going and doing it. They're a wonderful team of folks that are yeah. willing, saying they want to go on missions, and I've been able to facilitate that and help them to to get to the mission field.
0: So, you know, when I see what God has done in your in your life and and in your ministry and in 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 your church, hmm. uh, I think about uh, so many churches and, and many pastors. I know I was I was a local church pastor for twenty two years, and, and uh, <clears throat> with a really a heart for the world all the, all that hmm. time. But sometimes in the local church. Uh, when you begin to stretch out for world missions, uh there can be conflict there mm-hmm. can be uh people in the church that say, "Well, you know we need to just kind of focus on our own thing here yeah. we're not we're not uh caring for things enough at home. We shouldn't be yeah. worried about somebody on the other side of the world. And, and there can be an internal struggle in yeah. churches. And I just wonder, yeah. do you have any advice for <coughs> pastors or, or leaders in churches that have that big missions heart yeah. that, where there's a, that internal struggle? What, what can they do to, to see the church come, come together in a cohesive way for the kingdom of God?
1: I would say there's a lot of pressures on local church. Finance is a big one. Uh, finances rise and fall in a local church, people's circumstance or job situation can change Or finance. we went through crises in the last few years economically both here in the States and in England where the finance markets have struggled and the immediate reaction to many people are is withdraw funds and if you're having to manage a program or a team often it's very difficult because you only use your surplus money for missions Well, we made a commitment as a church, we will commit 10% as a giving of whatever comes to the church mm-hmm. for missions anyhow. Mm-hmm. But we also give, the last, last five or six years we were probably giving 23, 25% of what comes in, as, in our budgets, and that is actually used for missions. We have a heart for missions. One thing I think to help pastors is let's get the attitude of what what God says. God says that we're to be givers, generous givers. So tithe is is a good marker to help a person say, what is the minimum what God looks for? But mm-hmm. God looks for, tithes and offerings. And so we want to always encourage our church. So we just demonstrate that. And so where we're tempted to withdraw and say we can't afford to go to missions, I actually say we can't afford not to yeah. support missions. And so we make that as a, a sowing, a seed sowing part yeah. of our ministry. And God's honoured us with that. Yeah. I would rather, in our circumstance... We went through times when the finance of the church dropped uh, and the immediate temptation was, let's stop sending some of these figures out to other places. No, we looked at ways that we could generate income. So I would take a part-time job to save some of the salary or whatever they're paying me so we could maintain the budget. And God's honored us with that. God's blessed us with that. And so I believe that's the one thing. But I go back to my verse that God gave me. Mm-hmm. I believe we should be witnesses in Jerusalem Judea, Judea and... Samaria, and the other Not all of the other parts of the world. Right. So you're not doing or and or. It's a, it actually is everything. So if I'm going across the world, I need to still be functioning. Yeah. Personally, I need to function in our local area. Uh, when I'm in the centre of our town centre, I need to be a witness there as much as I am when I'm on a mission field. Sometimes we can get this idea, I'll serve God in that field, but neglect to serve God in our, right. our, our local patch. And if every human being did that, Wherever God opens the door, serve God. So if you've got a work placement, that's your mission field. If you're still at school, school's it. If, it's, if you're a mom and you don't go to work, wherever your neighborhood is, whatever your connections are, that's your mission field. And it's good for go, <laughs> us uh, to go and to serve in any way you can to right. those that are around us. Right. And we should be looking for non Christian friends, make those friendships and God will open doors in ministry yeah. so every individual we should encourage our church members to be part of other groups and clubs around and instead of so often we want to do more church services more yeah. I think we've got enough him why not everybody
0: him everybody him into him. the into the club you know? we've
1: got one club you know <laughs> and we got, oh we go out tonight let's go out with a Christian friend. let's go out with non-christian friends and take Jesus with us mm-hmm. that'd be an exciting program to do this next year uh the theme for the the um uh, our church, I sat a theme, that's already been given me for 2018. Should he tear, it, should not come back in time. I would say our theme for this is what does it mean to be the church? How do we express that? And one of the things I've be talking about is how we um, need to be the church, not only the church building, but everywhere we go, we are the church. Amen. Shining for Jesus. Yeah.
0: So. And, you know, within a local church, you have a lot of different types of ministry, yeah. a lot of different personalities. Yeah. And you have people that maybe at one time or another are given more to, to ministry in the, in the local area and yeah. at other times yeah. in another place. But as a team,
1: we can touch yeah. humanity all around the world. That's right. It's so exciting. Yeah, amen to that. Each person has to find their calling. We don't want everyone to be the street evangelist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know evangelists. That, I know evangelists. i can't a cup of tea. <laughs> tea is a wonderful thing. <laughs> it's a wonderful social thing. You yeah. can talk over a cup of tea.
0: Something beeped. I oh, don't know sorry. if there's something stopped. Or.
1: I know. It's all looking okay. I think, I think we're
0: going good. Okay. So,
1: uh, wherever we go, every person needs to do what they need to do. Right. We need the person who's going to make the cup of tea, and that's their ministry. But they do it with a heart of witnessing and sharing. Part of but the, those that are street preachers, they can be street preachers. Right. Those that are prayers... We need intercessory prayer. Yeah. And there are those that need to recognize that. And they need to be honored, and they need to be fed yeah. the information. They've got to go out and meet people and take it back to their closets to pray for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's, so every ministry, We need, as a pastor, we need to find where the calling is and encourage them in it. Yeah. But help those. The danger is all those are street preachers. Say, why am I the only one on the street? Because <laughs> that's God's calling. Go and do it boldly. Yeah. And those that are in the closet, why am I shut away? Why does no one see me? That's what God's called you to do. So we need to help them find that calling and be bold and confident to know that that's what God's saying to them. Right. And that's where I believe uh, that ministry worldwide comes. We have those who are able to travel, and those who can't travel, send those that can travel. Mm-hmm. And it's equal. The person who gives that, that offering, the shoebox right. uh, environment, that is, is important because those shoeboxes will go without love and care that you put together and will touch the lives that that's meant to, and we all can go, But it's it's honoring each other, not competing with each other, not thinking, I'm doing better comparing ourselves with each other. Okay. We need to find what God's saying to us. Find
0: what God wants to do. And as pastors, we need to be, be able obedient. to
1: help people do that.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> I know for me, the, the verse that's kind of the keynote of, of my life in ministry has been, go, go ye into all the world and preach Amen. the gospel. Yeah. And there's another one that we can... We can take a concept out of that. We can say, go ye into all the world. Well, we must be, we've got to be in Africa. We've got to be in India. But all the world includes uh, Mankara, Jerusalem. Minnesota. That's right.
1: Yeah. And the High, Bridge, High Bridge.
0: And, yeah. You know, it's right where you're at. And, and uh, the people that are in our church, uh, they they go into a different place than we can go. Yeah. They
1: move in circles that so we can
0: never meet. Right. Meet people we never will meet. And so each one of us, you know, have That's those right. contacts in the world. And each one of us are part of that great commission, mm. you know. Yeah. So it's, it's just exciting to see what, uh, what God can do uh, yeah. through a local church. And, you know, we, you were sharing about, uh, about giving. Mm. And uh, it came to mind about our mutual friends at uh, Shell Lake yes. Gospel Church. Yes, to Church yeah. yeah. And I, I know the story there when they, they were actually going through uh, a struggle financially. Yeah. And God led them to, <clears throat> to begin to give and to take 10% yes. of their budget for missions. Yeah. And uh, it seemed counterintuitive at the time, which it is, yes. yeah, natural. Yeah. But when they did that, at the end of the year, they found they had more money yeah. and they were able to increase, increase, increase. Yeah. And uh, you were just saying at their, at their conference this year, they had 80 missionaries. under yeah, 80
1: missionaries, yeah. This, Amazing. Is a town,
0: this is a town of 1,000 people in uh, yeah. northwestern Wisconsin. So God can use your local church to touch the world. And it may not be like Shell Lake. It may not be like... Gospel tab- yeah. Tabernacle, it may not be like Tom Shanklin Ministries. It's what God has given you to do
1: yeah.
0: uh, in this world and, and your part yeah. in the church. The church is the instrument yes, to reach this world yeah.
1: for Jesus. We have to recognize we've got an enemy who's going to try to distract us on every yeah. front. Yeah. yeah. So as pastors, as leaders, we need to be aware of these devices mm-hmm. and just guard ourselves. Uh, I went through a situation three years ago that could easily have distracted me to lay down and say, okay, you're 60 years old, you, you've gone through ill health, it's time to retire, take it easy. But in fact, it almost seems like God is up the beat. When, when the world says rest and, and be quiet, <laughs> uh, and the devil's saying, yeah, now it's time to be quiet, just yeah. ease back and stop what you're doing. But actually this has turned into a time when God has increased and expanded what we're able to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful to God that one is healing power, I'm so grateful that I'm cancer free. Oh, My okay. wife is now cancer free, we both went through it. Thank so I believe Jesus. the devil wanted to, to spoil our, our uh, choice and the church to be spoiled because obviously we were key members in our church and if we were taken out, then we'd find ourselves the church being weakened. Right. I've got two lovely daughters and one of the things that they are, they're, they're still on the decision point of faith. They believe in God, but they're not fully uh, operating in church or whatever. So they, that, their faith was under test. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would happen to dad in this circumstance. And so I'm grateful that all of us are strengthened. I'm stronger and different. Yeah. I remember describing myself years ago, I would say, I'm a believer. But I want to tell you, going through sickness, I was taken out for nearly a whole year uh, for treatment, for surgery. Uh, I'd lost 70 pounds in weight. So I was dramatically changed. I'd lost the half a man I was nearly. And um, so I found myself going through that. And uh, I found myself leaning on God. And became stronger in right. faith rather than weaker. And now I would say, call myself not just a believer, I'm fully persuaded Hello, that Lord. God is able Hello, and Lord. that God's got his hand upon my life and the calling that I once had is renewed. All the prophetic words that God has given on my life, I've seen them come to pass. I've got grandchildren now which take a, a great interest in my life and I can say no to some things to spend time with my children because I believe they're my assignment. Right, I know my daughters and my grandchildren are my assignment in faith as much as the the world and the mission fields we have there. So right. I take my children as a mission field. So I take it to, so I can say yes to things for my grandchildren. I can also say yes to my travels and ministry across the world. But equally, it's not competing. Right. God's made me a person who can do both of those. Acts one eight
0: applies to all of
1: that. Amen. And so and then with that whole thing of feeling tired and weary, the second verse God gave me as a young man, about the same time as that other verse, that shaped my life and ministry was that one found in First Corinthians fifteen and verse fifty-eight. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast,
0: unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.
1: I'll encourage pastors with that verse. You know, we can get weary of well-doing. We can work hard and we can see it taken away. We can see stuff you put in place fall down. And you need to have that to God. You've sown the seed. You've worked it. Uh, Be obedient to him. It's God's work. He's he's building his church. So he can give and he can take away. All we have to be is be obedient and faithful, steadfast, unmovable, always about, always going forward in the work of the Lord. The devil wants to sit down and take retreat and back up. This isn't the time for retreat. This is a right. time to... Set. Now, it may mean changes. We may need to change places. God might reposition us. That's all part of going forward, mm-hmm. as long as we know it's God. I always say to people, if you're feeling weary where you are, and God doesn't show you somewhere else to go, dig your heels in and just take it on. Yeah. But God may be giving you a little bit of discontent to look and see what else God has got for you mm-hmm. and make sure that in faith, you step forward and go into something right rather than just run away from something. Yeah. I've had enough of this, i am given up, that's mm-hmm. not what God wants from us, that's the devil's uh, ploy. We need to say, I'm going on, I've completed the work I'm doing here, let's go to the new thing that God's got yeah. for us, and that's God's plan. And we bring somebody else in to, to take the place that we are, and so we place ourselves with that, that way. So I was going to encourage you, that those two verses, uh, send you out, keep you out there, and keep you going. I don't know what a retirement plan looks like for me yet, <laughs> uh 60s too early the post office royal british post office have given me my pension uh for the first part very small part i've done some years with them i they made me take it i have to take it so i'm semi-retired but not in not in my uh, ministry i'm still Mm -hmm. full-time for jesus amen i love that verse in in the exodus where uh
0: where the Lord said to Moses, speak to the children of Israel that they go forward. Mm, So if we ever need direction in our life, there it is. You know, just just go forward. Uh, Where forward is, we may have to seek the Lord on that. uh,
1: But But his plan is always forward. That story actually is a tremendous, powerful one to help us in making decisions. The children of Israel, in fear, said, we want to go back. We should have stayed there. They were looking back. Mm -hmm. Moses, in his bravery and his confidence, said, stand still. Yeah. and see the arm of the Lord. And that's a good place to be. Right. Stand still and see. So if you're not sure, stop and look to God and see yeah. God do the work. And then God comes kind of steps in, and says, step forward. Yeah. Moses raised that rod, take the people forward. Mm-hmm. I brought them out of Egypt, not to destroy them in the desert, but to take them across right. into a place. Even there, God was taking them too. And the first destination was to the mountain. Right, and He might give them and speak to them. And he welcomed them to come to the mountain. He said, I want to speak to you. And so that's the part that we have. I'd encourage you if you don't, you're not hearing from God. Listen and ask God to show you, yeah. and God will use many ways to speak to you. So be open, listening to what God has to say in your and, circumstance. And you know,
0: many times in life and ministry, there's there's challenges, there's difficulties, there's problems, there's struggles. I mean, they're so heavy that you you feel like going back, you feel yeah. like quitting, but it may be just. Right before your breakthrough, yeah. you know, Amen. and like you said, the thing to do is look to the Lord, get it, get with the Lord, and see what He has to say about it, and uh, begin to use your authority as He directs you, and uh, go forward.
1: And here's here's another just a tip for pastors: something I've had to learn and prove. My dad taught me it. Don't be afraid to talk to others. You may not find anybody around your immediate circle that you can confide in as a pastor. Sometimes we can. Issues are. Uh, that way we couldn't talk to our own congregation or find someone. Else. But God has given us the body. So talk outside of your circles. Mm-hmm. I've had times when I've gone and spoken to what I would have seen as someone who perhaps was not in the same circle as I was moving right. in. And in our pride we sort of think, well, they've got nothing to teach me. I'm, You know, we have this false idea that we right. are the 't But I can go to a, a denominational pastor. I can go to a, a another person outside of my circle and just say, hey, pray for me. Share some of the needs of them. Yeah. It's amazing the insight God gives us. Yeah. And so, uh, so do that. But I believe God has got for us. And if you haven't got a mentor or somebody you can go as a spiritual father to, find someone. Mm-hmm. I love it when guys come to me and say, hey, could you be a mentor to me? Could you? I, I feel the call of God in my life. I'm doing this, I'm zealous for this. I need someone to come just watch with me, pray with me, advise me. They open up and give me permission to speak in their life. Do that yourself. If you haven't got somebody that you can go to and say, hey, speak into my life. Tell me, am I doing something wrong? Yeah. Share what's going on. Tell me. Humble yourself, because that's God's plan. He's yeah. planted in the church. Those will encourage us, and all of us need mentors and co-workers in the work. And I know, see, even Paul and Barnabas came back to the church at Antioch. They were accountable mm-hmm. to the church at Antioch. So even though they went out and did all the stuff they did, they came back to give report mm-hmm. For Because Antioch sent them. So I would say again, if you're going into missions, be sent. Know that you're sent by the Holy Spirit, but also be accountable. I'm sent by my church. I'm I'm encouraged church to go. Our church sends me and I come back and, and keep them informed of what God is doing in those mission fields that we're a part of. So those are balances of authority, you know?
0: I'm glad you do get back home once in a while. I do,
1: yes. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: as we're getting ready to uh, close up the interview here, Susan, you have a question or anything you want to add? Oh, I'm just thoroughly enjoying it.
1: Praise God. It's
0: really ministered to me. Yeah, it's ministering to me too, you know. And, and you, you know, as you were sharing, we do need someone to talk to. You know, I went through a situation recently and I tried to think, well, who, who can I talk to about this? I mean, I have many friends in ministry, but just in this particular situation, I, there was no one I could really talk to. But I was visiting with a brother about another matter. Yeah. And he just, you know, he said, well, how are you doing? Well, I told him, you know, not, not in a complaining, murmuring way. No. I just told him what was going on. And he just started talking to me, and it just really ministered yeah. my heart. So that God has sometimes in uh, places you wouldn't suspect, yeah. uh, people that can minister to you yeah. and help you along yeah. the way.
1: Be careful when you talk to someone. Don't talk to anybody.
0: Right.
1: I seek God who yeah. knows got that will have confidence. Yeah. You don't want to talk to a gossip. gossip. Otherwise, you'll find yourself in terrible trouble. Oh, you yeah. know? And, uh, so what it is, is share with someone you know you can confide in and agree together that you're there to pray for one another and have confidence. So you can say it openly and you can be real, be honest. You know, we need to confess our faults so we might be healed. You need to be open to say, "Hey, I'm weak in this. I struggle with this." Mm-hmm. Never be too proud to to commit. But find the right person. Yeah. And if someone comes to you, trust. Be trustworthy. Don't talk about that person to mm-hmm. anybody else. Okay. Amen. Uh, talk about to God.
0: With your spouse,
1: with your spouse, if that's the right agreement, then bondage it up. But do not take and share all the things you hear about your brother with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And in that, you'll build a strong relationship. And God will help you, and we can grow together. And we need each other. Good word.
0: Well, Pastor Kelton, mm. could you just, uh, just stretch your hands yes. and hearts out to those that are watching and pray Praise for the God. pastors and others that mm. are watching that may have a heart for missions or just a heart to Hallelujah. do the will of God.
1: Amen. Lord, we thank you. You're the God who calls. Mm. You first of all call us to yourself. Come unto me, you said, and we'll find rest. But then the next word you say is go. And Lord, you call each of us to come to you, be restored, be healed, and then you tell us to go into this whole world, taking the gospel, teaching the nations, baptizing them, teaching them that which you've commanded by the kingdom of God. And Lord, you said you'll go with us with signs following. We shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. We shall take up deadly things that will not harm us. We'll speak in new tongues. We'll, we'll be, take up any deadly thing that will not harm us. We thank you, Lord, that you're working, casting out the evils before us. Yes. We thank you, Lord, you've called us to be believers but also be goers in the world and so I ask you now to bless each of these ministers each of these persons who are in ministry serving you whatever capacity Lord I thank you that your hands upon them Lord let them have ears to hear your voice Mm. we live in a world where the devil would love to distract us bring us down attack us but he comes to rob and to steal but you come to give us life and Lord we proclaim life over these ministers and these people for you that Lord you will just bring them up and cause them to be anointed by yourself sent in this world Lord, to our neighbour, to our friends, to our family, to whoever we meet on the bus stop or a shop supermarket, Lord, I thank you that you're a God who can use us as we speak out and be witnesses for you. Lord, give us a steadfastness. Give us a faith that holds us certain and sure because, Lord, it's that hope within us that causes us to abound and to go forward. Lord, your word says, there abideth these three, faith, hope and love and the greatest of these is love. Lord, instill that in us and help us to go forward in you, in Jesus' name. Jesus' Amen. name we pray. Amen. Praise Amen. God. Well, thank you, brother. Pray for us, Amen. and we'll continue to pray for you as well. Thank you. Appreciate That's
0: that. Good. And if you would like to get a hold of Pastor Kelton, um, <clears throat> if you're watching on YouTube or listening to the podcast, go to our website. We'll have the video there, and we'll yeah. have a link to his, the website for his yeah, church, so you can reach him through that. And, and it's, uh, I don't know, the URL is a little complicated. Maybe. It's a longish
1: one, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it says exactly that. It's gospel-tabernacle-hybridge.org.uk. Okay. So it's a UK uh, uh, charity uh, account, and it's just simply gospel-tabernacle-hybridge with a hyphen in between each of the, the three main words. So okay. it's really good.
0: And like I say, it'll be on the website too. Thanks for watching or listening. Amen. God bless you. In God Jesus' you. name, go forward. Thank you for listening to this message from Tom Shanklin Ministries. More teachings, podcasts, and reports are on our website at TomShanklin.org. You can also reach us by mail at Tom Shanklin Ministries, Post Office Box 4144, Mankato,
1: Minnesota, 56002 USA